know that and be reminded that we're still on a global mission and good to see them uh, serving the Lord there in Germany and know we can be, Lord willing, we can be part of that uh, mission. I don't know if you notice uh, what we sang there. We sang, when through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie. So imagine you're uh, sitting and talking with someone who is going through fiery trials. I don't know if you do that, but you probably have at some point sat across the table from someone who is really going through something really, really awful. And you say something along the lines of, you know, you're going through a really hard time right now. And it's unavoidable. You're, you just, the only way is through. It's a fiery trial. And here's the good news, that God's grace is enough for you. Whatever it is you're going through, God's grace is enough. And, and as you just try to land that point, that God's grace is enough for you, no matter what you're going through, they say something along the lines of, I don't care. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of trying to do what's right. I'm tired of the whole thing. And I'm just going to do what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, it might sound like I'm tired of being poor. I'm tired of working for someone who's getting rich while I get more and more poor. And I'm just sick of the whole thing. And, you know, I've decided I'm going to start stealing from them. And, and you might say, oh, but that's sin. And they'll be like, I don't care. If you're sitting across the table from them, what do you say? You know, it might be like you're sitting across the table from them and you know they've been going through a really hard time in their marriage. Really hard time, long time. And they say something like, you know, I've just come to the conclusion. I married the wrong person. And I think I found the right person and I'm just going to have an affair. And you say, well, you can't do that. That's sin. And they're like, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. What do you say? I mean, if, that's, if, you're, if you have the chance to sit across the table from somebody and they give you a shot, like you, they say, well, say what you want to say. Just go ahead and say it. What would you say? It's a good point, Damien. Yeah. I mean, some of you might, I mean, if, if you're sitting across the table from somebody in, in, in there in middle school or high school, they might be saying, you know, you don't understand how hard middle school and high school is. It's different than when you were there. They, they spread gossip and rumors when you were there, but they did it like one person at a time. Now they spread it and it goes viral. It's different than when you were there. And they've been spreading this stuff about me. And, you know, I've decided I'm going to start spreading it about them. And you're like, don't, don't become like them. And they say, I don't, I don't have a choice. I have to. What do you say to someone who's like, you know, I have to sin in order to get by. I have to. 
<laughs> it is, man. And, and it's, it's a hard thing, right? Like when, when people decide they have to sin because they have no other choice, it, it's a hard thing to talk them out of. And I bet if you're honest, it's a hard thing to talk your own self out of when you feel like you've got no other choice than to sin. This is what we're talking about today. David is in a position where he has people telling him, David, you need to sin and you need to sin right now. You need to do this, David. We're in a position you can sin and you really should sin. What will David believe about God that will help him escape from this? Here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 26. Before we jump in, let's pray. Lord, this is your word, and we are your people. So, Lord, I pray that while we're reading this and while we're talking about it, Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I stand in front of them, that you would talk over me while I talk to them. Lord, speak clearly through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Then the Ziphites. Oh man, when you hear Ziphites, you're like, dude, I'd want to be friends with a Ziphite. No, you're not, because David came and saved them at one point, and then they handed him over, or tried to hand him over to Saul. They are traitors. They, uh, um, they acted like traitors at least twice, and here we are a third time. Then the Ziphites came to Saul. Who's Saul, by the way? He is the evil, maniacal king. Um, trying to kill the David and Goliath David. So there's David and Goliath David. That's um, going to be the guy who sneaks down into Saul's camp. Saul is the mad king trying to kill him, in case you're, you're with us for the first time in a while. Is not David hiding himself in the hill of Hecla, which is on the east of Jeshimon? And Saul rose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men, of Israel. Where did he go? To the wilderness. Do people like to live in the wilderness? No, it's wilderness because no one wants to live there. It's no man's land because no man wants to make a home there. It's hard to live in the wilderness. And Dave is out there in the wilderness because it's hard to live there because he can get away from Saul out there in the wilderness. So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph, and Saul encamped in the hill of Hakla, which is beside the road on the east of Jeshimon. But David remained in the wilderness, there it is again, and when he saw that Saul had come after him into the, hey, where is David at this point? Wilderness. Do you think the narrator wants you to know that David is in the wilderness? Yes, he does. Now, why does he want you to know that? Well, in part, so that you know that David is in a place where he doesn't want to be. David didn't, he didn't, he didn't plan for this, didn't, I mean, David was, in case, you know, it's been a, it's been a little bit maybe, but David was golden boy. He was exalted above, above his brothers. He was anointed to be king when he was the youngest, and that was weird, but he was anointed king, exalted above his brothers. He was like this combination rock star because he'd play the guitar for the king or the lyre, and he is also a war hero. 
of killing the giant, leading the people in victory over the Philistines. This combination rock star war hero on the rocket path up the ladder, uh, king's son-in-law eats with the royal family, part of the royal family, rocketing up, has the promise of the throne one day. Everything is going great. That's where he was, where he's going. He will be on the throne one day. It will all be good one day. But right now, right now he's in the wilderness. Right now he's in this holding pattern that never seems to end. It's not where he was. It's not where he's going. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. And he's waiting. And he's running for his life. And sometimes when we're waiting, our patience can run awfully thin. And we can be awfully vulnerable to sin. And this is when we can sit here and say, I'm sick of it. I'm not doing this anymore. God is not moving fast enough. I need to take this into my own hands. When Saul saw that David came after him, and when, Saul, when he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies and learned that Saul had indeed come. Then David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped, and David saw the place where Saul lay with Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. And Saul was lying within the encampment while the army was encamped around him. So there's Saul. He's the king. He's in the middle of the camp. The army is all around him to protect him. Then David said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Joab's brother, Abishai, the son of uh, Zerah. Zerah, I believe, is David's sister, so this is his nephew. Who will go down with me into the camp of Saul? Anybody for an adventure? And Abishai said, let's do it, pansy. I'll go down with you. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. And there lay Saul sleeping within the encampment with his what? Spear. Have you seen that before as we've gone through 1 Samuel? Okay, so in 1810 through 11, Saul throws this spear at David. Then in 19, 9 and 10, he throws it at him again. Then in 20, uh, 33, he throws this spear at Jonathan. And then in 22, 6, he, uh, Saul is like spinning it, like holding it while he's complaining that no one is on his team and everyone is against him. He has this thing with, he's like a bully holding this spear. We said before it's like running a meeting with a Glock and your fingers are on the trigger. With his spear stuck in the ground at his head and Abner and the army lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, so they sneak in there. And Abishai's like, David, I've got a good idea. Hey, Abishai's the kind of guy that you trust so much you bring him to the enemy's camp. 
I don't know, you know, like what your friends are like. You probably have some friends you trust more than others. But Abishai is one of the friends that you trust. Like, you talk about bringing people to a fight. Like, you, you have friends that you'd bring to a fight, and you have friends that you wouldn't bring to a fight. I, I'm talking, like, metaphorically, of course. But you have friends that you might be a little nervous that they might switch sides on you if it doesn't thing, look like things are going great. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure how their loyalty is going to hold up if this doesn't go like I think it's going to go. Abishai is the kind of guy that you bring, and you don't have to wonder whose side he's going to be on. You know he's on your side. Abishai is the kind of guy that he's going he's gonna to be loyal to you to the end. And so you, you'd bring him into the enemy camp. And Abishai is like, David, I've got an idea. God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Like, look, you can sin right now. You can win right now, and that probably means you should, and that probably means it isn't sin, so go ahead and do it, and do it quick right now. And if you're too big a chicken, I'll do it for you. God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now please let me pin him to the earth. Quite the picture. But this, of course, is what Saul had tried to do to David with the spear. He'd thrown the spear at David, trying to pin him to the wall. I'll use his own weapon on him, David. With one stroke of the spear, and I will not strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Heard about guilt last week. Maybe David learned something. And David said, as the Lord lives, watch this. David says one of three things is going to happen. The Lord will strike him like he struck Nabal. Or he'll die of natural causes. Or he'll die in battle. Or he will go down into battle and perish. So, so if, if David is sitting across from Abishai, and Abishai is like, we can do this, so we should do this right now. Come on, I'll do it for you if you're too big. Like, let me, come on, it's time. What does David say? David says, the Lord will punish sin. He says, you know what? He is not going to get away with this. We don't have to take this into our own hands. Because the Lord will do what is right. The Lord will punish him. It's going to happen one of three ways. Right? The Lord will strike him like he did Nabal. We learned that lesson that the Lord does punish sin. Or he'll die of natural causes and he'll stand before God and he'll give an account. Or he'll go down into battle and die. But the Lord will punish sin. I am not going to do this because... I just know that the Lord will punish sin. And there's also, there's also the idea of, look, he's not going to get away with it. And in the same way, we won't get away with it. If we sin, we'll be putting ourselves into his category. We don't want to get in that line that is waiting for God's judgment. We don't want to get in that line that is 
waiting for God's justice. We don't want to put ourselves in the enemy camp by becoming just like the enemy. So we're not going to sin because we believe the Lord will punish sin. For the Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But now take the spear that is at his head and the jar of water and let us go. And David took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head and they went away. And no man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake, for they were all asleep. Are you catching a theme? No, why? why? Even though Abishai was whispering and David was whispering, why did no one wake up? Because, because the Lord is just plain patient sometimes and protects his people when they do reckless, crazy things sometimes. Because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. I'm not saying you should presume on that, but I'm saying if you're at a spot in life when you can look back and you can see some of the reckless, crazy things that you've done and you can see God's hand of protection on you, then, then just take a moment and say thank you. Then David went over to the other side and stood afar off on top of the hill with a great space between them. And David called to the army and said to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered, Who are you who calls to the king? And David said to Abner, Are you not a man? I mean, why not just start with challenging his manhood? I mean, why not? You're trying to make friends? Go ahead and make friends and call them out. Who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your lord, the king? For the one, uh, for one of the people came in to destroy the king, your lord. So, like one of us was trying to kill him. The other one, me, didn't let him. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not kept watch over the Lord, over your Lord, the Lord's anointed. Now see where the king's spear is and the jar of water that is at his head. And Saul recognized David's voice and said, is that your voice? Hey, what does he call him next? Two words, my son. Hey, do you remember in chapter 24, David called Saul my father? Now look, now look, Saul starts this conversation with, is that you, David, my son? Will, will David reciprocate and call Saul his father? Just, just watch as we read it. It is my voice, my lord, O king. Did he say my father? No. And he said, why does my lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? What evil is on my hands? Like, why are you out here in the wilderness of Ziph trying to kill me? What are you doing? Now, therefore, let my lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If the lord, if it is the Lord who has stirred you up against me, like if I have sinned, then please, for the love, tell me. And I'll offer a sacrifice and make it right, and you can leave me alone. So if it is the Lord who has stirred you up against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is men, then let them be accursed. May they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day that I should have no share in the inheritance of the Lord. Like the land. I, I can't live in the land I'm supposed to live in. Saying, go serve other gods. Because the, the guys believe that 
God lived in a neighborhood, and if you're in a different neighborhood, you have a different God type deal. David didn't believe that, but the people did. Now, therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth away from the presence of the Lord. I don't want to die outside of Israel. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea like one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. Like, I'm not worth chasing. What are you doing out here? Then Saul said, you know what? You're right, David. I'm going to change. Hey, do you have to believe people every time they tell you they're going to change? Do you? When someone is abusive and angry and chasing you and they say, you know what, I'm wrong. Do you have to believe them every time? Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come on home, David. Return, my son. Hey, that's the second time. Return, my son, David. For I will no more do you harm. Trust me, David. I'm a safe guy, David. Trust me this time. Should you trust him? (laughs) For I will no more do you harm, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly, and I'm not going to be a Nabal anymore. Trust me this time. For I have made a great mistake, and I won't do it ever again. Cross my heart, hope to die. David answered and said, come get your spear. Saul's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. David says, come get your spear. He doesn't trust him. We're past that. Here's the spear, O king. Let one of the young men come over and take it. For the Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. For the Lord gave you into my hand today, like I could have. I know I could have. Abishai was right. I could have. And I would not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. So, but I didn't because can does not mean should. So, so if you're sitting across from someone and they're going, I have to sin, the first thing you could say is the Lord will punish sin. The second thing you could say is the Lord will reward righteousness. Did you catch that there? The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. The second thing you can say is the Lord will reward righteousness. I was reading C.S. Lewis some time ago, and, and he, may, he turned a phrase that really caught my attention. He said, you know, the Lord, our Lord Jesus promised people rewards, and, and he promises, he made, this, this is what he said, he said, he made unblushing promises of rewards. I mean, he, he made these rewards, like, sound like they're so good, and they are, because it's okay to be motivated by eternal rewards. Why shouldn't you sin? You're like, well, because the Lord will judge. I mean, you're not going to get away with it. And number two, number two, there's a reward for righteousness. You know, James writes about this, our, our Lord's little brother. He writes about this in James chapter 1. I'm going to read it to you. You'd, 
turn there if you want, but I'm in James chapter 1, verse 12. I'll be back in 1 Samuel in a second. He writes, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Does that sound like David out in the wilderness? Under trial? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. When he has stood the test, that's what, that's what David is going through right now, three tests in the wilderness, the one in the cave, the one with Nabal, and now the one in Saul's camp. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The Lord will reward righteousness. And the more stern the test, the greater the reward. You're sitting across from them, you might say, I mean, you're not going to get away with it. The Lord sees. You might say, the Lord will reward righteousness. And, well, let's keep going. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so this is David talking to Saul, I spared your life, your life was precious to me, so may my life be precious, does he say, in your sight? No, because he doesn't trust Saul. And Saul is, to, at this point, almost irrelevant. But in the sight of the Lord, that's the thing that really matters. So this is part of the reward, right? I mean, I found your life precious, I spared you, so may God spare mine. And may he deliver me out of all tribulation. Including, including Saul, including you. Including the wilderness. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be you. Hey, that's the third time, my son, David. Did David call him my father? No. You will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went his way and Saul returned to his place. And and just as like a, a pastoral note here, I just want just just to say this again. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. So, refusing to take revenge and trusting someone are not the same. Not demanding payment for sin, that's forgiveness, and reconciling with other people is not the same. Non-retaliation, saying, I'm not going to become like you by doing to you what you're doing to me. And reconciliation, like going home with them, that's not the same thing. You might be in your, you're in a spot where you've been like, if I forgive them, I'm afraid I'm going to be hurt by them again. Well, I'm not saying you've got to put yourself in a vulnerable spot. But if you don't forgive them, you will be hurt because you'll be on the path to becoming bitter. So forgive. Forgiveness is something we always do for everyone all the time, but reconciliation requires trust, and trust has to be earned. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. Here, here's, the, here's the last thing I'd say about the Lord. Is the Lord, if you're talking to this person who, who like, like, I'm probably going to sin next week, and I don't care. You'd say, number one, the Lord punishes. Number two, the Lord rewards. And number three, you don't have to sin because the Lord does deliver. 
The Lord delivers. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, and he, he just reminds them the Lord always provides a way of escape. You don't have to sin. But then the next verse will say, but flee. You know, don't, don't, don't just sit there in the camp holding the spear over Saul's head, wondering about it. Like, put the thing down and run. Like, get, get out of there. So the Lord will deliver us. You don't have to sin. But flee temptation. So, so what should we what should we do? I mean, if, if this is you, and you're like, I don't know if it's somebody else, or I don't know if it's me, that, that like, I, I've kind of decided I'm going to sin. I've kind of decided to steal from them, or decided some kind of unfaithfulness, or I've decided I'm going to, I'm going to do something I know is wrong, because I feel like I've got to do it. I don't have any choice. And I've got people I trust whispering in my ear telling me I need to do it, I can't do it, and I should do it. People that I'd take to a fight. I guess what I'd I'd say is, the first thing I'd say is, just don't. I know that's oversimplistic, but I mean, I guess it's that simple, right? Like, don't. Now, now, just just hold on to this with me for a second. Imagine, Imagine that you could talk to Saul couple hours after he dies. And you say, Saul, got any regrets? Think Saul might have some regrets? Saul started out well and then ended up fighting God for control of his future for the rest of his life. Got any regrets, Saul? I think Saul would have some regrets. I think he'd say, man, I, I'm only remembered for how I was fighting God. I think he'd also say, you know, it never really worked the way I thought it was going to work. All this time I was fighting God, it never really worked out. I think if you talk to people who, who sin, I, I think you'd say, it's fun for a while. But it never really ends the way you hope it will. I don't think you're the exception to that. It might be fun for a while. You might feel in control for a while. But it's not going to work out the way you think it will. First thing I'd say is don't. Second thing I'd say is, man, learn from Saul and surrender. Learn from Saul and surrender. Learn from David's positive example here and surrender. Surrender to the Lord. You know, we get language for this when we learn about how Jesus is called the Christ. The Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word anointed. And it means king. It means the anointed king, the messianic king. And so you surrender and say, you know what? I am not in charge. You are. And I'm going to quit trying to just take everything in hand and make myself better. And I'm just going to trust that 
your name means what it says it means and that you're going to forgive my sins. This is why the angel came and said his name will be Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I'm just going to surrender to you and know that you are Lord and Savior, that you are Christ who is King and Jesus who will save me from my sins. I'm just going to surrender to you. Because the way I'm doing it isn't working. But you might be here and you might be going, well, I've already done it. You know, like I've already done the stuff that I know I shouldn't do. I've already got this terrible stain on me. Like I've already got this scar. I've already got... I've already got the wounds. I've already got the record. You know, I've, I've already done the stuff that I knew I shouldn't do. And, and I'd say, here's what I don't want you to do. You got into that trouble trying to take control of everything and trying to take control of your future and take control of your life and trying to get the results that you want, I'd say the way out is not trying harder to control everything and be good. The way out, turns out, is surrender. Surrender to the King who is our Savior. And, and so we read, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, this is about surrender. He's, he writes to this church in Corinth, and he starts out talking about himself, apostle, uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And of course, that's true. He wouldn't have been an apostle if it wasn't for the will of God. And then he says, to the church that is in Corinth. And listen, Corinth, Corinth, we don't have anything on Corinth in terms of perversion or waywardness from God. Corinth had it all. And this is a church that had done it all. He writes, Paul, an apostle to the church of God in Corinth by the will of God. And then he says, to the church in Corinth, to those sanctified, to those called apart, in Christ Jesus. Like, here's what you need to know. If you're here going, I've already done it, I've already screwed up, I've already messed things up, and there's no getting better, I remember that you are in Christ Jesus. And that when he looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Christ's righteousness. So instead of trying harder to control everything so that you could be good enough, surrender to King Jesus who saves you from your sins. And when you do this, you're remembering where you are, that you are in Christ Jesus. See, what I want for you is peace. What I want for you is to be able to rest in the Lord, who is your strength. What I want for you is, is not more striving and struggling and angst and worry and control. What I want for you is rest and joy and peace because you know that you are in Christ Jesus, set apart to him. This will help us sing. It is well. And we'll sing it is well a couple times because we want to drive this home that it is well. Whatever situation we're in, it is well. 
Because God is in control. Because God will do what is right. Because God is God and we are not. So we can sing, it is well. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for my friends here. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, I pray that you would pull us towards yourself. Help us surrender to you. Help us believe that you are who you say you are. Help us rest in your promises. Help us trust you. Pull us closer to you. Help us surrender our futures to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.